Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I'm going to start a kind of series I'm going to put together. I'm not, it's not going to be in order, but I'm going to talk about the Constitution and its authority, and I'm going to show people how bogus it is, and I'm going to give some good examples, and we're going to basically put the Constitution and the government's authority on trial, and we're going to explore exactly how empty the promises and words are that they claim support all of their authority. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer. And uh, I'm a self-certified master practitioner. Gave that award to myself almost 20 years ago. It's really quite proud of that. <laughs> All right, let's not fool around anymore. Uh, the show runs a little bit long. So I'm going to do a different kind of show. Eh, it's not really all that different. <laughs> but it's probably going to end up being multiple different shows over time. It's not necessarily going to be uh, in order. I'm not going to commit right now to making them all at the same time. But the concept is that I want to, in effect, put on trial this concept that the government has authority and that the Constitution has authority and is binding. And I want to show people that it's it doesn't work when you actually examine it. And that's why they never allow the people to examine it. All of the basic constructs that people are given about the freedom and the justice and the liberty and all this stupid shit, the Constitution, the fantasticness, virtual worship of this document, and the holy founders is just it's just a made up thing that it's all just assumed away all the most important things are just assumed away and they're vague and they're contradictory and they don't make any damn sense and if people understood it there wouldn't be this unbelievable sort of knee jerk reaction of support for this fantastic thing that supposedly produces liberty and freedom and limited government and justice and all these fantasies people are raised on from the time they're little that both sides of the aisle push endlessly. And the reason I'm doing it is because, I, I, to me, honestly, the biggest problem we have in this country is these constitutional conservatives who are not honest with people. They both are fundamentally confused and the people who are smart in the movement are simply dishonest about the issues. And I'm going to show a bunch of the different things. I'm going to show the Constitution itself. I'm going to discuss the so-called social contract or some people, all oh, civil society and all this other bullshit people dream up and just show people how they don't work. And see, no issues are really ever resolved in this country, ever. They're never really resolved. And the reason I'm kind of even starting this is that the Supreme Court, of course, I saw this thing about how they're going to take a case up and whether or not we're going to be able to have a gun carry or open carry or license carry or some crap. We're all supposed to sit around and wait for the Star Chamber to tell us whether or not we have these rights. It's, it's truly idiotic, and, and I've already done several shows on gun control and gun rights and everything else and just shown fundamentally how wrong the arguments are. But the reason I thought I would do this one is because, they once again, they frame the whole thing up in this narrative that we have to wait. And it's just such a fundamental issue. Just think about this. We're going to, quote, find out whether we have a constitutional right or not, 
regards to this gun carry issue, whether states can limit it or not limit it or on and on, all these different things. We're going to find out, and everybody knows that it hinges on whether or not it goes 5-4, 4-5 against, or 6-3, to or whatever it is. In all likelihood, it's going to be a very close decision. And nobody sits down and wonders, well, hold it. <laughs> How can my rights supposedly balance on the head of a pen of whether or not some joker like Kavanaugh or ACB or some other loser up there, corrupt to the core, God knows how much dirt they have on these people, decides to write an opinion that approves it or doesn't approve it, that my rights will vary depending on who sits on the court. You see how stupid that is? You see how that makes no sense? At a absolute bare minimum, before you could ever have a court that does what they claim under the Constitution, which isn't accurate, but just using their narrative that we wait and they give us the law and all this other crap, it would have to be unanimous. And that would have been something put in the Constitution, but it's not. None of it's in there because none of the construct is true. And so it got me thinking that... (laughs) People don't understand what goes on in a trial, and, and they give away all the fundamental issues that matter are all given away by giving away this narrative, by allowing this absurd narrative the constitutional conservatives push, and of course that the liberals endorse as well, because it does nothing but build gigantic, huge government. And you see this all the time. No issues are ever resolved. Okay? No issues are ever actually tried that the government does. They, they get caught lying all the time, but they're not under oath and there's no consequence. And so it just runs on. And a great example was that Jim Jordan. You know, he's, I get the impression he's probably a pretty damn good trial lawyer. Okay, so his cross-examination, regardless of whether or not it's all theatrics or not, is usually pretty effective against a joker like Fauci. But the things I noticed about it is, one, the man's wearing a mask. So it's a fraud. that He's a member of the House of Representatives. He can't be arrested down there in the House asking questions like that. He doesn't have to do it. If he's going to get fined, he should get fined, and he should not wear the damn mask if he believes it. Stop putting on the show. But the more important question is that when he goes, does this cross-examination, he shows Fauci's just a flip-flopping loser. If anyone saw it, you see what happens, which is that he runs out of time immediately and Fauci doesn't really answer the questions. So that's not what happens in a real trial. It's just, it's not what happens. And if we could ever get any of these issues where the people actually had to answer questions and you could drill down on their bullshit positions, all this government stuff, all these government policies, everything the government does and says, it would all just fall apart because it's all just constructed on lies. And it reminded me of an example. I'll tell you a story. When I was practicing years ago, I had a class action case, and it was actually sort of the first class of its type to ever be brought in the state. And I was I was working the case with another lawyer, and we had you know seven or eight lawyers on the other side of the case. And the pivotal deposition was of this architect, and it was a very central point. And I'm not going to get into the details of what it was, but the case boiled down to just a very few things, just a very few things. And we had a very clear winner and they weren't willing to admit it. And the request for admissions and the other discovery, of course, they always dodge it. Discovery is mostly a waste of time, uh, for at least from the opposing party. You got to get everything you need from third parties that you're never going to get real parties to, dis- to to turn stuff over. But it doesn't matter. We're, I'm sitting here and I'm deposing this guy and 
It's going on for like a couple of hours on this one question. The man was not answering. He was dodging and, and, and deflecting and avoiding and refusing to answer in a million different ways. And this went on literally for a couple of hours with very contentious, you know, where the other side's like, move on, counsel. He's answering. You're harassing the witness. Move on. All this crap. It went on for hours. I wasn't going to back down. See, I wasn't going to back down because that was the central issue. I needed an answer to this. And I was like, well, that's fine. You want to call the court? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, you only get a limited amount of time to ask questions, uh, it, it's certainly in federal court and during discovery. But that's okay. I was fine with, with spending my time on this because this was the issue. If we got this issue resolved, if I got the damn guy and I had him in a box, a very small box, and that's why he kept avoiding it. And I, there was a couple other lawyers on the other side. And they were very good lawyers, which was which was good. I like having a good lawyer. Now, there was a lot of, like I said, a lot of sort of, chest bumping horse shit going on. But I, I'm not intimidated by that because it's not going to get physical. If it gets physical, that's great. I'd love for it to get physical. The guy to attack me. This <laughs> blows his case. It's never going to happen. And so it went on and on and on. And eventually after about two hours, uh, they said they wanted to take a break. And they took a break and we came back about 20 minutes later kind of thing. And uh, he said, my client wants to make a statement. And his client made a statement. And his statement was, basically exactly what I'd been trying to get out of him. He's finally admitting this bullshit that he had no way to get around. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Then I moved on and, and asked other questions. And of course, the case settled not long thereafter because the case was over and they knew it. They knew this was an important part. They'd been coached on it. And I only bring that up to show you that in a real world, you keep asking the question and you don't move on until the question's answered. That's all. You put them in a box and then you smash them in that box. That's what you do. And that doesn't ever happen to these governmental people. See, Tony Fauci has gone on and on and on. None of these experts have been sat down and actually cross-examined. People imagine this stupid ridiculous show that goes on the Senate. Oh, I yield the remainder of my time. And oh, you're, oh, the gentleman's running over and uh, I yield mine to the transsexual from Pennsylvania to my time remaining. All the stupid crap, Robert's Rules of Orders, and all these arbitrary made-up rules, none of which are in the Constitution. <laughs> it's not oversight in order to just kind of ask some questions, have the witness deflect out, and then run out of time. But that's all that happens. You can't bring them back in. You can't show them anything. You can't do anything. It's not real. It's not the way a trial goes down. <laughs> you may get days. You may spend hours and hours and hours on the stand as a witness. In fact, most of the time, an important witness may be up on the stand for more than one day. <laughs> That's the way it actually goes down, see? And so when you have that, if you have that ability, you can actually get things done. And everything short of that doesn't work. Everything short of that doesn't work, and people go, well, they'll just keep lying. Well, maybe they will. I don't know. Most people do lie like that, but a lot of people are concerned about lying because, you know, you can theoretically be prosecuted for perjury. Now, the government doesn't prosecute its own people very often for perjury, but the importance of getting the testimony and, and narrowing them down is getting them limited into a single position. See, that's it, a single position. Think of all the absurd positions we've heard from the CDC and Fauci just flip-flopping and turning and changing and all those. And nothing happens to them because his position, they just lie about what his position is. They lie about what it's always been. They, they act as though something is the same when it's not the same. And that's why I give you that story about the fact that for two hours I beat on this guy to get one answer because <laughs> it was the only answer that really mattered. 
Uh, it was the only answer. Remember Pulp Fiction? She forgets to bring the watch. He's like, oh, man, that's the only thing I really cared about. <laughs> it's the only thing that mattered was this answer. The rest of the stuff is okay. It's a side issue. But if we win this issue, then the liability's over. If you get to show that Tony Fauci is a liar and a proven liar and that his advice doesn't make any sense, then that would be it. His credibility is destroyed in a real setting. But we don't get a real setting. And we don't get one about the authority of the government either. We never do. We never get answers. What we get is generalized Barnum statement bullshit that assumes away all the most important stuff. And, and I want to give you an idea of how many things are built into this concept that we have a government of the people, the will of the people, all the stupid shit, and that the Constitution somehow is the law of the land and magically became the law of the land and on and on and just show people that none of it's true. None of it's true, and none of it withstands any legal scrutiny, and the reason it's never permitted is because it can't withstand it. And the world would look very different if the government was required to come forward all the time on a periodic basis and reprove its own authority and everything else and prove that it was staying within it. (laughs) But nothing like that happens. And so the very first things you'd have to do is you'd have to say, well, if you're going to have a trial on this, who has the burden of proof, right? The burden of proof is a very important thing in the trial. It means that that side must come forward with evidence. It has to produce the evidence. Like in a criminal defense trial, the defendant has no burden. He just sits back. He can sit back and produce no evidence at all. He can rest. In fact, lots of criminal trials rest without them putting on any evidence. All they do is cross-examine the prosecution. They don't put on any evidence. (laughs) They just rest. Because you're not obligated to put on any evidence. The person with the burden of proof has to put it on. So clearly in this situation, the state wants to run everybody's life, take your money at gunpoint, put you into cages, or if they just write some stupid shit down on a piece of paper. Obviously, the state should have the burden of proof. And then the question is, what kind of burden? What is the burden? Is it, should it just be preponderance of the evidence? That's the mere 50.1% required in a civil trial, just barely tip the scales? Well, of course not. It needs to be much higher. Should it be at least beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard for a criminal? Because if they don't have the authority to the extent that it's beyond a reasonable doubt, in what way are they entitled to then convict you of crimes and put you into prison? And the very idea behind that, that the state's power is going to be used in such a situation, well, the state needs to, at minimum, it needs to be beyond a reasonable doubt, at minimum. I think it probably needs to be a slightly higher standard, depending on how you read beyond a reasonable doubt. There's a million different ways to interpret what is beyond a reasonable doubt. But we'll just use that. So at a bare minimum, what we have to do is the state should have to come forward with evidence such that it is beyond a reasonable doubt that they prove that it both has legitimate authority and that they're exercising it under the document and that the document itself has authority. Those should be minimum requirements that the state should have to come forward and prove in order for anybody to be willing to give up their rights and to turn over this so-called authority to this entity where they have virtually no control over it. I don't think that's unreasonable. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. 
I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? <laughs> well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. Those should be minimum requirements that the state should have to come forward and prove in order for anybody to be willing to give up their rights and to turn over this so-called authority to this entity where they have virtually no control over it. I don't think that's unreasonable, but do we get anything like that? No, we don't get anything like that. We don't get jack shit. We get put up or shut up. You don't like it, leave. <laughs> That's what you get. And even the people who run around and pretend to be constitutional conservatives, they just bypass anything like that with this mealy mouth, mush mouth bullshit. And I'm going to play clips from different things that I think are fair and reasonable. Um, you can decide for yourself, of course. Like the kinds of things I'm going to use are things from Hillsdale College, which purports to be this very conservative college that teaches on the Constitution, the Antonine Scalia School of Law kind of stuff. I'm going to pull stuff from Harvard. I'll pull stuff from wherever I think is appropriate. But I suggest people go and do a search where does the Constitution get its authority? Just go do a search on that and see how little the information is. How much it has nothing to do with where does the Constitution get the authority. <laughs> it's all just brushed over. It's literally all just brushed over. Go do a search. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. How This is such a fundamental question. Such a fundamental question. Every single person should be able to answer this. Every single person should have a huge binder of evidence that the government produced to demonstrate beyond any reasonable doubt why the Constitution actually has authority over you. I don't see why that's unreasonable for me to expect that as a citizen before I have to obey all their stupid shit that they dream up and all these criminals that they run around like Joe Biden, fucking Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell. These losers, jokers. Lifelong criminals in government, and I'm supposed to obey them. Why? Oh, oh, respect the office. I don't respect the office. Why would I respect the office of somebody who's a usurper, who hasn't even showed me they have any legitimate authority? Why would I respect that office? It's like saying respect the office of a bank robber. <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> it's so silly. So fucking ridiculous. Now, some of these episodes are definitely going to run a little bit over, uh, though I'm going to keep most of them tight. And I haven't decided whether I'm going to do some of them in Patreon or not, if I'm going to release them in order, as I said. But I'm going to start out by playing a little clip of the best clip I've found so far that even attempts to explain uh, where the government supposedly gets its authority. And it comes from the Antonin Scalia School of Law, this chick professor who just gets on there. And you can judge for yourself how reasonable it is in light of what I've already told you about it. So let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to play the clip. 
From my understanding and point of view, originalism is the appropriate methodology to use in interpreting the Constitution because of the idea that the Constitution came into being as law when the people through their state legislative bodies or, or through their state conventions who were picked up by the people to represent them decided to ratify the Constitution as the governing document for we the people here in the United States. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to stop it right there because she says a bunch of stuff in there. This video is called Where Does the Constitution Get Its Authority? Okay? And it's where does it get it? It gets it because the people so-called voted for it. Well, who voted? Who were the people that voted, right? If I'm if I got her on the stand, what do you mean the people voted? Almost nobody could vote. <laughs> what are you talking about? Women couldn't vote. Slaves couldn't vote. Most even men couldn't vote. You had to be a landowner. It was a very, very small group of people voted. And they didn't actually vote directly on the document, did they? No, they didn't vote directly on the document. They voted on a group of people to then go and vote on the document. Why? Why was that layer put in? What kind of controls were there with regards to making sure that the, this whole thing wasn't rigged up, just like the election we just saw? What, how do we know? In Delaware, they had to call the military out when it came to the, the election of the electors. <laughs> There's no records kept of any of this. How do we know any of this was true? How? We the people. Just a made-up thing. See, it's just a made-up thing. It's not true. It's a vagary. Am I included? Where did they get the authority to bind me to any of this? Where did they get the authority? Can I bind anybody I don't know to an agreement? <laughs> no. So what happens? You see, there's, there's no answers to any of those questions, and there are never going to be answers to any of those questions because the answer is you don't like it, you need to leave. Because the answers are that almost nobody, in fact, voted for this Constitution, whatever that even means. And certainly nobody alive voted for it. So what does it mean? These are just Barnum statements. We the people. The people voted. And I hear this all the time. The Constitution says, we the people, the United States. See, and then people say, oh, it's about the crown, and it, it's capitalized, so it only meant it only meant the royalty, it only meant this, and all this utter horse shit. The Constitution, the draft, was that we the people, and then they listed every single state. We the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We the people of blah, blah, blah. Every single one of them was listed. And then somebody said, huh, being lawyers, they said, uh, dude, what if happens if they don't all sign on? <laughs> the Constitution won't make any sense. We can't put all the different states in there because we don't know who's going to ratify. See, because it became law prior to the time it was ratified by all of them. I think they only need nine. I think it was nine. So you don't know which nine. Maybe all of them, maybe, maybe only 10, maybe 11. We don't know. But you can't list them in the document because we don't know who's going to ratify. So they just took the states out and said, we the people. <laughs> Think about that. Think about all the different stupid bullshit you've heard about how we the people this, we the people that. No, it was we the people of the states because the states had to ratify it. So it's very deceptive. They say the people here, the people in each one of their state represent. No, nah, not so much. It was the states. The states came up with the way they were going to have their electors and they put them out there and that's it. And like I said, there was massive amounts of arguing and dispute about the vote itself. So putting aside the fact that nobody can vote to bind me to something 250 years ago, that's idiotic. Why am I not still bound by the king? I don't get it. Oh, we fought a revolution. So I didn't fight it. <laughs> why can't the king claim rights over me? See, why can't the Indians? Why can't anybody? 
See, once you get away from actual consent by the actual person to actual terms, you're just in fantasy land. You're just in fantasy land. So where does the Constitution get its authority? Well, from this fantasy idea of a vote of we the people <laughs> 250 years ago. It's not me. It's not anybody alive. Almost none of the people who were alive and living here at the time could even vote on it. <laughs> and so there was a split decision anyway. Lots of stuff was split. Well, how is that okay? What about the people who voted no? Oh, they had a few extra people and a rigged up vote and they vote yes? People run around complaining about Trump got stolen, the election stolen. What about this? What about this election being stolen? We don't have any ideas, no damn records. This puts aside the fact that the Constitution itself was written without any legal authority at all. They had no legal authority at all to write it. And they all knew it. They were all there. They all knew it. They'd been authorized to to come up with a way to uh, to change the Articles of Confederation, not to write a whole new government document. They didn't have that legal authority. And when they went to go write it, and everyone talks about Philadelphia, this august thing, they were all sworn to secrecy. And they pulled the drapes, and none of the records were released for 30 years from the proceedings. How does that sound like a legit deal to anybody? See, now at a trial, all this would come out, and the jury would get to hear all these facts. And what do you think the jury would think? Was this a legit vote? <laughs> no. And so the reason we don't have a trial on this, the reason you don't hear these facts, is the same reason the Supreme Court doesn't take the 2020 case, which I told you they wouldn't in my shows. I knew they wouldn't. They would avoid it. They can't have a trial on it because the fucking rigged up 2020 vote was so obvious. And the Constitutional Convention and the stupid vote on it is just as ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous. <laughs> And so there we are. We're only a few minutes into this absurdity that they call basis for the government having any kind of authority. And it's already completely and totally falling apart. It's just completely falling apart. <laughs> uh, that's funny to me, see, that if this was a real trial, I would be completely and totally decimating their case. The jury would be like, what the hell is this about? When you start getting the other facts, when you start asking real questions, imagine swearing somebody in. Imagine swearing this law professor in and just completely obliterating her ridiculous, generalized Barnum statement load of shit about how we got the Constitution to become the law of the land. <laughs> just think how little tiny bit we've touched on, just a tiny bit. And that's the way it is. And that's the way the entire thing is. It falls apart that badly. And that's why there's never allowed any actual discussion of it. And that's why constitutional conservatives on radio and everywhere else, all they do is, is challenge liberals. They don't ever allow this kind of conversation. They can't because it can't withstand any actual scrutiny like everything else government does. So, well... There's a lot more to, to discuss on this, obviously. I just thought I'd give you a taste and uh, just a tip. We're playing just a tip. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think it's going to be an entertaining kind of series. I haven't decided, like I said, how much of it I'm going to do and in what order, but I'm going to make each show stand on its own so that people can listen and enjoy it. And I hope people share it. I hope people open their eyes to it. I hope people do their own searches and see where the hell does the Constitution get its authority. And they'll see that what I'm saying is true. I'm also going to bring up and place Sanders Spooner's stuff and show people the kind of real arguments that can be made and why none of this shit withstands any scrutiny. So I think it's going to be entertaining. I hope it helps people kind of see the light and we can swing some people over to our side of freedom. 
real liberty, real fucking uh, consent, not the bullshit made up stuff we get. So, all right, that's going to be pretty much it. If you like my show, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at US Law Review. Can you listen to my show? And I want to thank the people right now who are in my Patreon account because there's not a lot of you, but I do appreciate you because it takes a lot of time to make the show. And I think it's valuable and I th- hope it's entertaining. And you guys, you know, you really make it possible. Uh, I really do appreciate you guys. So, well, you've been a great audience, and I hope everybody has a nice night or day wherever you are. Don't forget to tip your servers. Take care.